So Ryan Tov, we continue with our studies in the Haggadah with the commentary of the Maseh Nisim from Rav Yaakov of Lisa. And we yesterday finished one part of the Vihisha Omda part of the Haggadah in which we explain that what is the he, the he is not merely the covenant between the parts, but the fact that God watched and guarded and made sure that the covenant would come true by taking care of us during the entire process of our suffering. Now, he now the author now gives a second interpretation, which is equally acceptable, and they are not mutually exclusive. And... He says like this, that the Vihishamda, not only going on the past of Baruch Shemer Haftachaso, it can go on the next lines, which is, Shebechol dor vador omdim aleinu lechaloseinu v'akadosh baruch hu matzileinu miyodu. In each and every generation, the nations of the world stand up against us to destroy us, and Hashem saves us. And he's saying that is what has stood by us. What does that mean? There's two ways Hashem can save us from our enemies. Uh, one way is that we kill our enemies. Now, if we are saved by killing our enemies, we are not sure exactly what Hashem is doing over here. What does that mean? When an enemy wants to destroy us, there's two ways we can be saved. One way is the enemy's not able to destroy us. Finished. We didn't destroy the enemy, but something happened. For example, Stalin planned in the 19, the, the year he died, I can't remember, I think it was 1953, I don't remember exactly. He was preparing a mass extermination of all the Jews in Russia. He got a stroke before he could do it. So, Hashem saved us from him, but did we do anything to him? No, Hashem saved us. On the other hand, you have other stories where um, enemies rise up against us and uh, we kill them. So there's two ways of this happening. When we kill the enemies, we can say maybe Hashem is doing this because he hates the enemies and the Jewish people are merely the stick that enables Hashem to unleash his anger on these people. But if Hashem saves us by protecting us, that clarifies that the reason this is all happening is because Hashem loves us. And if we and if we and if we don't have to kill them, that publicizes Hashem's love for us. Give us an example <laughs> by Avram, where Avram. Um, after he kills the uh, the four kings, he destroys them. So Hashem says, "Altira Avram, Anochi Mogain Lucha. Don't be afraid, Avram. I am your shield." Avram was afraid that when he killed the kings, maybe he was just the stick of God's wrath. And Hashem said, "No, Anochi Mogain Lucha. That the salvation you had." was through the protection that I gave over you. In other words, because really Avram didn't do that much. He couldn't kill 2.6 million soldiers. He just threw some sand and I should have turned it into arrows. It's not exactly what I would call a war, so to speak. And therefore, if we look throughout our history, 
uh, we find very often, almost always, it's not that we destroy our enemies. You have it on occasion. And even then, it's really only in self-defense. Even the Purim story was in self-defense. It wasn't that we went out to destroy them all. They're trying to destroy us, so what we can do, when they try to kill us, so we killed them. If they didn't try to kill us, we didn't kill them. Now, there's other times, for example, when Hashem, we're in a strong position and no one's against us. Hashem says we have to conquer certain areas like the seven Canaanite nations. We're talking about when, if you think about it, when there have been terrible persecutions against the Jews, have we been able to totally wipe out our enemies in that way? Not really. Even in the uh, Hanukkah story, it's not like they destroyed Greece. They, they won a couple battles. And again, the Greeks were going after them to kill them. And therefore, and really, if you think about it, what happened with Paro? Did we defeat Paro? Hashem did it all. So that's why we're saying, and what has, what has maintained us to see that Hashem has all this love for us, and it's what, what has stood by our fathers, what has kept us going, is the knowledge of how much Hashem loves us. And how much does Hashem love us? That when the enemies come to destroy us, we don't necessarily have to kill them, and people will not be confused and think we're the instrumentality of God's punishing these terrible people. It just the, the bad just goes away. And that's it. And therefore, what, what's Hashem showing? He's showing his love for us. That is the he Amda. What? The second way is better. Yes, because it's clear that it's showing Hashem's love for us as opposed to, well, maybe he only did it because he wanted to punish these people. Now that's one way. And now we understand the order of these three uh, sections. We started off with Originally, our forefathers were idol worshippers, which required us to go into the Gullus. And then we thank Hashem that in the Gullus, he hasn't forgotten about us, and he keeps us going until that point. And more than that, is that after uh, that, and how he keeps us going, is he has the enemies being destroyed as opposed to Hashem destroying. This is all to show his love for us. Or we could say the other point is to remember that Hashem is guarding us that we don't uh, get killed by them or get uh, uh, or assimilate into them. And as the Shalah Kaddish explains, when we go to the next part where the Egyptians, it says, So he says it the grammatically doesn't mean that he did bad. The Egyptians did bad to us, but the Egyptians made us become bad people by their evil ways and we assimilate they made us become bad people and hashem has helped us that we don't become these bad people and and therefore we're able to survive but again but the point is that in every generation hashem is doing this why is he doing this because we still have to clean out that taint that we have so therefore, the Vihisha Amda is referring to two points. It's referring to, number one, the fact that God is always protecting the promise in every generation. And also the fact that he destroys the enemies himself and we don't do the destruction. 
And that is the greatest, if we understand that that is what it's about, then we can withstand this. If we understand that the, that our enemy is trying to destroy us, if we understand that Iran says they want to destroy us, and the United States now, unfortunately, seems to be acknowledging that Israel really has no right to do anything as a country. So we shouldn't be scared. We should just say, Hashem, obviously there's something, we have a little more Zoyama that we got to remove. And we got to do tshuva. And when we do that, Hashem will take care of it all. Again, every time the Israelis won a war, it was always in self-defense. And it was so miraculous, you know that it's not that they won. And therefore, Hashem has clearly been the one that has taken care of us. And that keeps our faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that we understand that this long-term promise for us is meant to uh, maintain this relationship for a long time. Okay, we now move on to the next part where we now, and we picked up the cup for Vihishom, and now we put the cup down. And now we really get into the main part of the Haggadah. Of the Magid. Although the first, these paragraphs from Mitchila Hoya Ovda Avodazara is already beginning this. We already have a good sense of appreciating why we had to go down to Egypt, how Hashem protects us and will continue to protect us, and how much Hashem has committed Himself to us. This is all amazing. But now we got to, this is like kind of the brief overview of it. But now we go into the real details of exactly from beginning to end. And it's all based on Psukim that we read when we bring Bikurim in the Beis HaMikdash and time. And this is um, from the beginning where it starts like this. Say, go out, Ulamad, and learn Ma Bikesh Lovin Harami Lasos Liyakov Avinu. What did Lovin want to do to Yaakov, our father? And we're showing that he really was much worse than Paro. Shaparo lo gozer el Paro only decreed on the males to kill them and leave the girls. And Lovin wanted to destroy everything. Now, that's what the author of the Haggadah says. He has to prove that. Shinemars, it says. And now, from here on in, this becomes the outline of the Magid, where you say a number of tzukim, and the Haggadah is going to go through pasuk by pasuk by pasuk. And, it's, and that becomes the source of of the Haggadah. If you're looking, where did the rabbis come up with the real core of the Haggadah? We're getting into the core of the Haggadah. It's by looking at the verses by the Bikurim, which is a Shavuos issue, and analyzing each verse, and that, and then the, the elaboration of it is all that Haggadah is going on. So, that's what he says, and the words are, beginning in the Torah, he starts to make the following declaration as he's bringing the first fruits. He said, Arami Oved Ovi. These two words are very difficult to explain. Arami means in the Aramean. Oved would mean is presently destroying. Oved is Hove, not Ovad. Ovi, my father. That itself doesn't make sense. And the commentators are all struggling. What does this mean? An, an Aramean is killing my father. Remember, it's going on Lavan. Lavan's an Arami. He is killing our father. Difficult. And then, Vayered Mitzrayma. So he went down to Egypt. Yaakov went down to Egypt. What's the connection? I understand Lavan was years before Yaakov went down to Egypt. And he didn't go because of Yaakov. Uh, he didn't go because of Lavan. 
Vayogar Sham Bipsemaat, and he sojourned there with a few people. Vahi Sham Lagoigadol, and then he became a a great nation, Otsumvarov, different ways of saying great and powerful, etc. etc. Now, that's the first Pasuk. And afterwards, that God is going to start analyzing the words. Vayered Mitzrayim, Vayogar Sham, etc., etc. Okay, this is the first Pasuk that we read by the Bikuri. So here are all the questions. Again, first of all, we just, like, what's the purpose of this paragraph? What is this paragraph trying to teach us? So you'd figure it's teaching us we just said in every generation they stand up to try to destroy this. So the question, that would seem to be the simple explanation. And every gener- and we just said every generation they want to destroy us. Hashem saves us. So now we're going to give you a proof. You know what the proof is? From Lavan. Well, number one, the fact that Lavan saved Yaakov, Yaakov, Hashem saved Yaakov from Lavan, what's that a proof for future generations? Question number one. That in every generation it's so, it's not a raya. What happened to Yaakov is going to happen to everybody. And number two, do we really need any proofs? Don't we just know that from Jewish history itself? If I would ask you, has Hashem saved us from every generation without having Haggadah, what would you say? Clearly, yes. It's number two. And how about if you really want to bring a proof in every generation try to kill us, what's a better proof? How about Haman? Wouldn't that be a better proof? Sure, that, but that's the future generations. Behold, door of a door. Haman would be a good example. Uh, how about Esav trying to kill Yaakov with the 400 men? How about the war with Amalek? That's already as a nation. or So that's an interesting question. And what does it mean? What exactly did Lavan want to uproot? What does that mean? Did he mean to kill everybody? Because he said to Yaakov when he caught up with him, he says, I have the power to do bad with you, but Hashem told me not to. Well, if that means he wanted to destroy us all, we should have brought that Pasuk in in uh, in in uh, Parshas Vayetzeh. What are you bringing from the Bikurim? And wait a minute. Didn't uh, Paro also want to destroy everything? Because if you're destroying all the males, so then there's nothing left, is there? So what's going on over here? And there's more questions. Um, we, as we ask, how do we connect Lovin's behavior to Yaakov with us going down to Egypt? They're not connected. It should have just said that that uh, to write that he wanted to kill my father. Finished. He wanted to kill us. That's all. You don't have to say anything more. And also, why are we in the Parsha Bikurim? Why are we talking about this whole thing to begin with? What does that have to do with bringing Bikurim? These are all the questions. Let's hope in the next 15, 16 minutes we can answer them all. So he says a very big yesod. When we say say ulamat, come and learn. So what is what is it? we thought it means? Learn how in every generation want to destroy us. So he says it's not so. Let's go back to the beginning. The beginning of the real magid, Mithila, Ovde Avodazar Hayavasim. 
beginning, our ancestors were idol worshippers. And we explained that's the reason why we had to go down to Egypt. Since we were tainted by having ancestors were idols, we had to go down to Egypt for purification. So now he's going to Habal going to say, and guess what? There's a second reason we had to go down to Egypt. And what is that? Because of Lavan. Say, Lamad, come and learn that why we had to go down to Egypt. Not just because our forefathers uh, were idol worshippers, but because of what Lavan did to us. Because there'd have to be much more that had to be cleaned out. Because Lavan was the father of our matriarchs. And for that reason, we had to go down to Egypt to purify that. As the Zohar and many commentaries tell us that really Lavan is a continuation of the primordial snake. Comes with that power. Also, we connect Lavan to Tsaras because Tsaras is what color? White. And Lavan means white. And there's all other kinds of mystical connections. But Lavan was about as such a sneaky guy. Such a sneaky guy. The hardest thing is when dealing with sneaks, con men. You don't realize how they suck you into their vortex of evil when all you try to do is keep your head above water and survive. So as much as there was idol worship way long ago, but Levin was way more sophisticated. That's why Ace, why do you think Asaph gave up on trying to kill Yaakov? Because he knew Yaakov was going to Levin. Okay, Levin will finish him off. Maybe not physically, but spiritually assimilated. And Asaph doesn't have to worry about anything. So that's what we're saying. Say Lamad, go out and learn what did Levin want to, what did he do? He wanted to Yaakov. Because after all, when Yaakov wanted to leave after 14 years, Lovin says, no, stay, stay. You think it's because he loved Yaakov? It's because he said, I haven't yet corrupted you. Now you're going to make your own prop. First 14 years, Yaakov was just paying off the debt for his two wives. But now Yaakov says, I have to make a Parnosa. Ah, now <laughs> we're going to play games. I'm going to be crooked. He's going to be crooked. And we're going to lower him down. But it didn't work totally, but it must have had some effect. Remember, when you have to fight someone in the mud, even if you win, you come out muddy. After this, every time you're having a big battle, you're going to come out with some dirt. And maybe he could give us some foreign ideology. And therefore, when Yaakov, as he was going back, on the way back after the Battle of Shechem, and they took a lot of the loot from Shechem, Yaakov says, remove Remove your foreign gods that are in your with in in you. Why didn't he just say remove the foreign gods? The answer is not just the physical foreign gods, but the ideology of foreign gods of being away from Israel for twenty two years have some impact on you. And therefore, we could say that really the Jews did not. Maybe they had to go down to Egypt for what the brothers did to Yaakov, to Yosef. But why did Yaakov have to go down to Egypt? And the answer is because Yaakov too was in, in, in influenced in the slightest way that had to be corrected and with the wives and all those things. Because as long as Yaakov was by Lavan, there was no divine inspiration. And because of that, 
Yosef gets sold, Yaakov has to go down. Had it just been for what Hashem told Avram at the covenant between the parts, he said, your children are going to have to go down, Yaakov would not have had to go down. If Yaakov never had to go to Lavan, he would have been okay. Yaakov at home was fine. He perfected everything. The fact he had to go down to Lavan, in spite of that, listen, he passed a lot of tests. Again, we're not to say he became a Russia, chas v'shalom. He was an incredible tzaddik. But when you get in the mud with Rishayim, you get a little bit dirty. And your wives and your kids and all them. So therefore, he has to go. That's why the it says specifically that Yaakov went down to Egypt. Because he was in such a filthy, spiritually terrible place and was so far away from, from the Kedusha. And that's why he figured he can get them all to become not religious. And that's what love and Bikesh Laakor, spiritually to wipe them all out. Now, that is what love and planned on doing. So Ramban says a fascinating idea. Ramban, in Parshas Lech Lecha, says, if a Navi wants to uh, stimulate people to see that his prophecy is really something important and it's going to last, there's an idea that a prophet should do a physical act before he prophesizes. And there's a number of examples like Yirmiyahu who threw a stone in the water and said just like the stones in the water but will be destroyed, you do some kind of physical act to have it catch on, so to speak. So therefore, the opposite is true in the world of the negative. If wicked people are planning wicked things and they want to engage in it, they do some symbolic action to show what their wickedness is. Now, if a Navi has to do something to show it, so what about Paro, who's the, who knew from his stargazers that the Jews nurture spiritually from the males? It starts from the males. The females receive, but it starts from males. So therefore he says, we've got to do something to increase the tumma against the males. we got to try to cut down their spirituality. But again, therefore, he wants to do a physical act to play it out. So what's the physical act he did to play it out? Throw the boys in the river. And he didn't plan on doing that forever. But that was like the symbol, the icon of how we start. We're drowning the boys in the river physically, and that's the symbol we want to drown them spiritually. Now, Lovin was even smarter because he planned on, on destroying not just the boys, but the girls spiritually to get rid of all of them. But Hashem saved us. So now we're really talking about spiritual destruction. Now, let's go back to the Pusik. It what says, was What was Lovin's act? Through his whole behavior. He didn't do a by switching uh, Rachel and Leah. That's a physical act. That, that already is the greatest chicanery. Don't you see how that could have screwed Yaakov up immensely? And the whole family, the whole discord, isn't that a great way of bringing so much um, disharmony in a family? Where the man you want, the woman you want to marry has been switched on you? And everything that involved, you know what would have happened in a modern day world if this happens? The whole family gets destroyed. And somehow they survived it all. Now when it says, Arami Oved Ovi, we had a question on the wording. You have to know the word Oved, can also refer as a noun, not as a verb. That means somebody who leaves religion and he's obeyed like like an obeyed, like lost. He's lost from the world. So we say the Pasuk in Yeshaya, Uba'u ha'ovdi me'eretz ashur. People are spiritually lost. 
These are people who don't have any connection to Torah. Therefore, it says, Arame Oved was my father, meaning Lovon, the Arami, was my father in the aspect of being lost from spirituality. So Arami Oved, the Arami, who was a lost one, was my father, as it were, tried to spiritually make me lost as well. And because of that, we had to go down to Egypt. That's why I had to go down to Egypt. And that's why it's saying that Yaakov went down. Now, what does all this have to do? So now we've answered a number of the questions. We understand now what the words Arami Ovedivi mean, number one. We understand the connection between Lavan doing what he did and us going down to Egypt now because he did cause a blemish to the Jewish people. And instead of us going down in the times of Yaakov's children, we even had to go down earlier because Yaakov got affected from that as well. So that's a very good connection to that. But the real connections explain, remember, Salem is telling us, look why Hashem had to send us down to Egypt. Not just because our ancestors are idol worshippers, but Lavan was able to affect Yaakov in a way that forced him to go down so early. So now the question is, okay, why do we say this by the Bikurim? What does that have to do with Bikurim? And he explains like this. He says, what's the whole purpose of the Bikurim? And this connects to what we said with Yehoshua. When we brought the Pesukim of Yehoshua, um, when we discussed that was the original, that our, and originally our forefathers were idol worshippers, because, because it's in connection with taking the land of Israel. The whole idea we said is to be worthy of the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. You have to be in a very high level. If you're a sinner, you can't go to Eretz Yisrael. You can't live in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael demands a certain spiritual level. <coughs> so now when we are saying the Bikurim and we're bringing our fruits and therefore we don't want to make a mistake and think, oh, look, I'm in a the whole point of Bikurim is not to be misled and think the power of my farming abilities gave me this wealth. No, it's Hashem. To realize it's a spiritual issue, not just a physical farming issue. And to understand, therefore, we have to say the history of the Jewish people. And that speaks about the holiness of the land of Israel. Because you cannot go to the land of Israel until we're purified. So every year we say, you know, why, why am I able to bring all this food? How have I been able to live in this land, this holy land? To have a perspective to realize, remember, Arami Ovedovi. We started, it goes all the way back. Lovin trying to corrupt us, and he did corrupt us to a certain extent. And then we had to go on the Egypt. And the story will go on and on and on and on and on as we go through Pusuk, through Pusuk, through Pusuk. But it's all to discuss. The Seder is telling us a very important idea that as we make a declaration of why we're worthy to be in Eretz Yisrael, we have to understand that goes together with how, why we had to go down to Egypt. We had to go down to Egypt to purify ourselves, to be worthy enough to live in the land of Israel. And every year, when we bring the fruits, that's the final product of all our effort, instead of being misled and being arrogant and forgetting about Hashem, we have to realize that we need a certain degree of holiness. And therefore, Hashem brought us into Egypt with mercy to get rid of that zoyama, that taint. And therefore, the reason why we went down to Egypt and suffered, as we'll continue reading the Haggadah, was all for the purpose of our benefit to be worthy for the land of Israel. And now we have, 
we said first part Arami Ovid. Uh, first, we started with Mitchila Ovid Avodah which was really a psukim of Yeshua at the end of the twenty fourth, in the twenty fourth chapter. And we said, why do we do that? Let's just go through history before. It says no, there Yeshua pegs it with entering Eretz Yisrael. It has to go together. So now we're finding a second proof about that Gada. Seulamad from Lavan, which was similar to Rami to Abitchila of the is the second reason why Yaakov had to go earlier. And it's also the thing with Bikurim that has to do with Kiddushas Eretz Yisrael. So there's two reasons we had to go there. And he adds one more beautiful point. And he says, based on the Shalah that we just told in the beginning of the class, that before the actual physical subjugation before the inui is also to make us ra'im to make us bad people remember that is what it said at the covenant between the parts it says uh okay the inu osam and the fact is that he wanted to make us into evil people by having us assimilate into the egyptian culture now it's very interesting as the jews were at the sea of reeds the prosecuting angel said, these are idol worshipers and these are idol worshipers. So the truth is, he did make us, the men were evil. He turned the men into being idol worshipers. He succeeded. But the women not. Because the women said in the merit of the righteous women, we were redeemed and we got out of Egypt. And we said that they couldn't, if someone who's a slave, you'd be able to take advantage of all the women, right? And they wouldn't do it, they weren't able to do it anyway. And Hashem proves that none of them had any, were very righteous. So therefore Hashem caused there should be no decree on the women and uh, therefore we'd be able to get out of it. That since Paro didn't go after the women, the women had enough to get us going. But Lovan tried to destroy us all. And that was the issue with that. So it comes out that this is a perfect continuation. So the simple shot is, Selamad, go see how there's been constant destru- uh, enemies of the Jews. But we said, but that doesn't really tell us about Hatzilena Miyadam from all generations. Why didn't we bring Haman? Why didn't we bring Esau? Because that wasn't the issue. Haman and Esau was not what caused us to go down to Egypt. Remember, what caused us to go down to Egypt? The fact that our ancestors, Terech, and everybody was an idol worship, which needed a broad purification process. But why did Yaakov have to go down so early? The answer is because he was also affected by Lavan. And that's really what we're trying to prove over here. That why did we have to keep going? Why did we have to go down to Egypt? Because of now uh, Terach, and now because of Lavan, we had to go down to Egypt. And Hashem had to, just like he protected us throughout, he had to protect Yaakov. He had a promise that he made to Avram and he had to protect Yaakov. And then we know he said, yes, Hashem promised Mashiach's going to come. He has to watch that. So now in every generation, there's going to be reasons why we may need to suffer whenever we make a mistake. Like in Egypt, it's going to make us suffer, but Hashem will protect us from all of that. Now we're in a position to go through the text. And the text will now will go paragraph by paragraph. And he's going to skip most of this. But now we understand exactly what this has to do with Bikurim. And we now see two critical opponents. Yeshua talking to Jews before he dies, before we really inherit the land and live in the land. And also the Bikurim that is done every year by 
Shavuos, which, by the way, Shavuos is the culmination of Pesach, where we get the Torah, and that's why Hashem took us out. Okay, excellent day. What a class. Howard, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Nice Welcome.